1: That's fucking delightful. Delightful, <laughs> fucking good combination of the space. Good, excellent, Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rock and podcast. In association with the Suncate Soup Kitchen, it's Gav back after the 3 0 win at Hillsborough over Sheffield Wednesday. And we managed to uh, batter them in what was a rather emphatic first half display from Sunland, and whilst we didn't take them apart, any further in the second half, it was still a brilliant result, brilliant performance, and I'm over the moon to be sat here talking about it at this late hour. For you lovely people joining me uh, is Chris. Hi, miss.
0: All right. I'm, I'm much relieved <laughs> at, uh, at much doing relieved. that. I had many yeah. messages coming backwards and forwards uh, <laughs> from uh, from the, the Sheffield Wednesday fans that I know, but to be fair, they were all just saying it was inevitable, so um, they, they weren't surprised at yeah. were all.
1: Licking the wounds. Also with us is Martin. Hiya Mate. Hello, Gav. How are you doing? Are you feeling good? I am very well after
2: after getting up at, at my four in the morning <laughs> to watch watch us win. Well, course, you know it's a spring
0: in your step for the rest of the day. You do look it. like a man who's got up at half four, to be fair, Martin.
1: <laughs> oh, I had a late night as well, Chris as well. Ah, uh, that'll be it. Yeah, he's been on the he's been on the pop, Any? he Oh well. Yeah you, you have to you have to though. You've got to enjoy yourself. And obviously we've enjoyed ourselves watching Sunland. like I said, just uh, a really professional performance really i I know when you when you start scoring rapidly in succession early in the game that's easy to get carried away, but that was about as controlled a performance I've seen from sunland in in the championship I, what, should i mean we were expecting it weren't we Let, let's be honest but even on on the on the Twitter space that we did before the game, talking away at the lads, and I'm sat there and I'm going, oh, I'm not sure, you know, this is just this has got the potential for us to do a Sunderland and and slip up and, you know, but there was no signs of that from the first whistle. We were just brilliant. It was it was exactly what I think pretty much every Chef Wed fan predicted and the majority of Sunderland fans predicted. It was just a route where we were the we were the better side the more talented side the more motivated side the, the the team with with less to think about both on and off the pitch up against a side who i cannot see them staying up they are absolutely woeful and i i, I just feel really sorry for the fans but it was it was inevitable really wasn't it that we, that was going to probably happen that we would we would be at least dominant maybe not maybe not scoring lots of goals in a quick space of time like we did but i was certainly expecting us to win by three or four goals. And we followed through on that and we were, yeah, we were fantastic, weren't we?
2: We were. First half, we started really well and took the game to them. And you say it's, you know, it's an inevitable result and Chef Wed fans were predicting it. That always makes me feel bloody nervous. So I I was, (laughs) you know, fearing the worst, really, because, you know, we've been in that situation plenty of times, haven't we? Where on paper we should be winning and, you know, we... Had the um, the setback, I guess, on on Sunday against Cardiff. So I think it was important to get three points. However, we did it. But you know the the manner of the the way in which we we started that first half was brilliant. And, like we we completely nullified any threat that they had, dampened anything in the crowd. And you know we've been in that situation previously, haven't we? Plenty of times mm-hmm. where you you kind of start the first five minutes with a little bit of hope, and the opposition just score, and then it takes everything out of it. And that's, that's what we did. And you know, Tony Mowbray spoke after the game about how we, we'd started at Blackburn and given Blackburn a, a really good start. We sort of stood off them a little bit and he said we, we wanted to avoid that um, same thing happening No, We did. We, we did really well and, yeah, got off to a, a very good start.
1: Yeah, it was, as I said, Chris, about as good a start as we've had all season, wasn't <laughs> well, it?
0: I mean, thinking about the, the actual start of the game, uh, if we look at the first I don't know, might not have even been 90 seconds for the first couple of minutes. I actually thought, oh, hang on a minute, Sheffield Wednesday are up for this. You know, they kind of pinned us in for the first two minutes. All of, you know, it it really wasn't long. (laughs) It might have not even been two minutes, but they they actually looked up for it. They had a couple of things down the right hand side and they seemed to be getting to the ball first. And then on our first journey into their half, their goalkeeper actually did a mess He started the whole thing off, actually, their goalkeeper, went back to their keeper. He played a really dodgy pass out. And that's when Job got brought down and we got the free kick that led to the corner that Ballard scored from. But actually, for for those first two minutes, actually, Wednesday had us kind of pinned in. And then we got out and and basically we scored the goal from that corner. And that was it. But, you know, we talked about it during the preview. And I think you you lads probably talked about it on the spaces that the position they were in, that's all it was going to take us to take the lead and then they were just going to crumble. And, you know, that, that that's exactly what happened. I mean, just look at the corner. The You know, the corner came in and <laughs> Dan Ballard ran past three Sheffield Wednesday players who just watched him. They just watched the ball, watched Ballard and didn't put two and two together. I mean, but and that's the type, that's where Sheffield Wednesday are. And Dan Ballard, I mean, not sure what would have stopped him actually because, you know, he was kind of 18 stone of just, sprinting into the box I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure what it would take to actually stop him but they just watched him do it and then I think the header to say it was a header I think it actually came off the side of his face I don't think it was the most elegant header he'll do in his in his yeah, life uh, oh exactly exactly <laughs> as long as it was on target from that distance and just kind of going back uh, you've already talked about Wednesday and if I was a Middlesbrough fan or a Leeds fan watching that I'd be embarrassed that Wednesday took a point off us
1: yeah, they they are so poor. On the header, uh, Ben Oliver on Twitter has said, "And it was Clarky's night, but that header from Ballard was fucking beautiful. Like a fat lad at the end of the night, eyeing <laughs> a kebab. His eyes never left the ball."
0: I'd love to see a slow motion replay of it of his face when it came off the side of his face, and and when
1: he... I want to see a fat lad eyeing up the kebab at the end of the night. Maybe me tomorrow <laughs> when I go out.
0: I'll film myself in about an hour's time.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the first goal, Martin, I think it was just a case of desire, wasn't it? Reminded me a little bit of the rig header against Southampton in many ways, and that I think the person who got on the end of it wanted it more than everyone else around him. And no, I, thought, right. I thought Lugo Nine in the build-up did really well, by the way. You've got to give him a little bit of credit. He holds the man off initially to give Ballard the space to actually get a run on them. And the other thing I would like to point out, and and it wasn't just on this goal, but it was a theme of the night. But Diaby at the back for them, Jesus Christ, he is he's awful, useless. He? I've, I mean, he is absolutely he's terrible, player. absolutely terrible. I'd be gutted if he played for us. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> do you know what it is? He went off in the end, didn't I think with a, a maybe a head injury? Yeah, yeah we, but I'm I'm yeah. glad it was him who went off because I thought I thought at various points he was gonna hurt one of our players seriously but yeah in the, in the build up that goal anyways Martin we, I thought we we took it really well and Mowbray after the game when talking to Sky he made a point of bringing that up saying we put lots of work in when it comes to set pieces and that was the result of it you know and we don't score many from corners but it, it's a strange one for me because with, with someone like Ballard in the box you're always you've always got to be a threat if the deliveries are good and it was it was a really good corner and like say Ballard just wanted it more than, than every one of the the chef Sheffield players around him. And I think as well, the goalkeeper, it does hit him on the hand, but I think he actually does quite well reactions-wise to get his hand up and get something to it. It looks like he flakes it in because it obviously hits his hand and goes in. But I feel a little bit for the goalkeeper there because I think he did quite well to, to get a hand to it. But like Chris says, I think it just hits him on the face, but the desire was there and that's what you get when you, when you want it more than they do. You get a nice early goal.
2: No, that's right. And
1: I think it was the last season
2: we went, it was about 30 odd games that we we went without scoring from a, a set piece, wasn't it? And I must, I'm not normally a massive fan of Pritchard's corners, but that, that delivery was, was superb. And as you both said, like that desire, it was pure desire, wasn't it? Ballard wanted it, mm-hmm. wanted more than all of those Sheffield defenders put together, really. And you got in the end of it, great 1 0, sets us nicely up for the, the rest of the game, didn't it?
0: Yeah, well, I, I did notice, actually, you, t- you mentioned that, Gav, about uh, the, and it seemed to be a ploy that we, we did on most corners where Dan Ballard used Luke O'Neill as some sort of kind of, well, essentially just hid behind him. And then <laughs> Luke O'Neill basically shielded Dan Ballard. But actually, when you saw there was a corner later on in the game and it became clear that their defence didn't know what to do with it because Bal- basically O'Neill was just running forward and Ballard could go either side. So, the person who was going to try and yeah, mark yeah. Ballard didn't know which side of 09 Ballard was going yeah. to pop out on. And I think, actually, I think it was the corner where Ballard had that chance at the back yeah, post. Yeah, where he went around the back and stick, post. And, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the, the camera yeah. went on him and 09 and he kind of used 09 as a windbreak. And um, the, windbreak. Uh, <laughs> the defenders just didn't have a clue what, what he was going to do.
1: I like that windbreak. Then, three minutes later, we got the second and it was classic Jack Clark just cutting in off the left hand side defenders falling for the same old trick not getting tight enough to him um showing him onto his good foot (laughs) weirdly i mean he is just deadly in those situations chris and he when he when he's when he's around that part of the box with a couple of yards he's just lethal like that that's a premier league footballer at, at, at his best in my opinion
0: I mean let, let us get on to that Sheffield Wednesday defending in a minute cuz it was just I mean it was just non non existent but I mean if you if you rewind it back to where it all started Pritchard halfway inside his own half winning the ball brilliant I mean it's not really what you expect from Pritchard whether that's another sign of how you know how uh, Sheffield Wednesday were up for the game uh, Alex Pritchard kind of winning the ball you know is kind of a a Holden midfield mm. player doing the equa job, but he, he he did it and then he laid the ball off. Actually, was it Burstow? I think it was Burstow. The, the commentator said, Job. I'll, I'll, said trust you, I'll trust you, Martin. I'll trust you, Martin, because it was Lee Hendry. <laughs> so I think you, you're probably right. <laughs> I've just checked
1: and it was Burstow who played the ball. But I'm, ah, I'm, there you go. But Chris is also right. The commentator did say it was Job. So.
0: Isn't it odd? Does Lee Hendry always talk as if he needs the toilet? <laughs> like he's straining? <laughs> he, be nice to him. He's nice to us. He loves Sunland. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, you know, he might be a lovely fella. I'm just saying, he it talks like he needs the toilet. I mean, I'm not. Isn't that just the
1: brummy accent, though? You know, yeah, just, I think all, <laughs> they all sound a bit like that.
0: <laughs> but uh, but what a switch! Unreal. Fifty fifty yard diagonal Clark hardly at the break stride, and it, and even then, I mean, his first touch was his first touch was great in terms of that he stopped the ball. But I'm not sure he wanted to stop it. But. I'm not quite sure what Sheffield Wednesday thought at this point. I mean, nobody went towards him. Nobody thought, oh, "I'll, oh, I'll close him down. It's Jack Clark, one of the most dangerous players in the championship. I'll just wait until he's on the edge of the box to, to kind of throw a leg in. It was just ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to be fair, I mean, Jack Clark did what he did. I mean, to finish it off, and, and I thought the keeper was poor as well, but Jack Clark just, you know, to do what he does, and he does that so many times, cuts inside and, and produces something and creates something. But I tell you what about Jack Clark now, top scorer in the championship, whoever was thinking about putting a bid in for him towards the end of the window will be kicking themselves at not throwing, you know, another five, 10 million at it and just securing him. Whether it was Burnley or whoever it was, you know, I I imagine there was more than one club sniffing around. And I bet you they're watching him now, thinking "bugger," because that's another 15, 20 million on his valuation straight away. Top scorer from the flank in the championship after eight games. So, you know, if you were that club, you'd be kicking yourselves right now.
1: Oh yes, and we are the top scorers in the division, of course. And not one of Without those goals, yeah. yeah, not one of those goals was scored <laughs> by a striker. It, it was a fantastic goal. Just, I mean, yeah. You, obviously, we can sit and point out things that Chef Wed did wrong, but Jack Clark did everything right. It was just gorgeous, just him at his best, like I say. And you're a fool if you let him yeah. do that because, you know, the other day Cardiff doubled up on him and didn't give him that space. They had them two banks of five and they just did not let him through. And, you know, it worked. And clearly nobody at Chef Wedd had paid any attention to the footage of that game because it was just far too easy. I mean, when he receives the ball from Burstow – he's got about 30 yards of space just to do what he wants. And his first touch is crap, but he's got that much time. He's got time to adjust himself and then bring it down and dribble. And yeah, I just think um, that's the reason everybody's talking about Jack Clark, because there are not many footballers who can do what he does, which is just be devastating when given the time and space to cut inside. It's, I always think about this, Chris, and I, I say it all the time on, Pods and Twitter spaces, and to to other people when I'm just talking about Jack Clark. But I always remember something you said about him, where you said he's like that annoying kid at school who had one trick, but they were really good at it. (laughs) He is. You know what he's going to do? And they just cannot stop it because he's this, he's gangly, he's quick, he's just got better feet than the players he's running at. They can't adjust themselves quick enough. And then you blink, and then he's shot. And he's got that, I mean, he's got that much power and accuracy on his shots that (laughs) even though it's a, yeah, fair enough, close the space down. But then the power and the accuracy of the shot on top of that, they don't know how to live with it when he gets yeah. the shot away. He
0: does that thing as well, where he just gives the defender a glimmer of, he just gives the defender like a glimpse of the ball. And it sells the defender every single time. He just gives them, it, it, it almost looks like he's knocked the ball too far every time, but mm. he's always in control of it. And it, it always gives the defender hope that he thinks, oh, I've got it. And by the time they stick a foot in, he's gone, he's away. But he always, that's the thing, he's always, got, he's always got control of it. But from afar, when you're watching him, you think, you keep thinking he's almost done it too far, but he's always on the edge of just giving the defender half a chance and making them commit. And then, and then that's yeah. it, he's away. Yeah. And
1: then after that point, really, Martin, and it just sounds mad to say this, but after the eighth minute, we were just in complete control. And, Really, it was like a training game from that point on, wasn't it? It was just a case of us keeping our shape, passing the ball around, not really allowing them to do a great deal. It wasn't like we had chance after chance, but it was just pure domination, really. And I think that coupled with the apathy surrounding Chef Wed and their fans were booing and even joining in with the Ole's when we were Ole in 30-odd minutes into the game. (laughs) um, I I think it was important to play that way. Like I know that naturally with, and we may get on this in a little bit more detail once we finish up, talk about the the match action. But I think naturally as a fan, you want to just see more, like more goals. Come on, get the fourth, get the fifth, get the sixth, get the seventh. But given we play again on Wednesday, I think that was the perfect approach to the game just to settle it, calm the game down, make sure that we did not let them get a foothold. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just us from that point on. And they had the odd spell here and there, and I think they came to life towards the end of the game. But after that 2-0 point, which was literally eight, nine minutes into the game, it was just all us, wasn't it? It was, and
2: I think um, Sheffield started off with a three at the back and tried to push the wing-backs up to push Clark and Roberts back, and obviously that that didn't work, and I think the changed after the second goal, didn't it?
1: Yeah, well, I think O'Neill on the, on the post-match interview mentioned that, didn't he? He said that we'd noticed they were doubling up on Patrick Roberts on one side, which just gave Clark loads of yeah. room on the other.
2: It's interesting with with Clark's form, just going back to Clark, because he, he deserves to be to be talked about. But how much do you reckon it's down to Ahmad not being there, that we're actually using him a lot more? Because last year, like I would I would say maybe 70% of our player went down that sort of right-hand channel, didn't it? Mm. Um, whereas I think we're actually using Clark a lot more. And, you know, Roberts is potentially suffering from that because he he's not seen as much of the ball this, this season. But like, I think if if we actually looked at, it, like, heat maps and stuff like that, I reckon we'd see a lot more of our play going down the left compared to last season. And that makes it more difficult for teams to defend against because, you know, we've got threats on either side, whether it's Barr on the right-hand side or Roberts. But, you know, get Clark in some space. And if you've got him with a few yards to run at you, he's so dangerous. And, like, he, he has taken a step up from, from last season. You know, yeah you can definitely yeah uh, completely agree with um with, with Chris you know the, the Premier League teams who were looking at them will be kicking themselves not splashing out an extra five or ten million but his, his value is going to go through the roof Craig said in in, in our chat and he? like he'll be Premier League next season with or without us hopefully it's with us but you know we'll get an extra ten fifteen million quid compared to what we we would have got in the summer if if and when we sell him. but I think like we dominated without really Kicking on to get five, six, seven—like that—could that have been anything. That could have been a repeat of Newcastle, at Sheffield United, couldn't it? We could have got mm. eight, nine, ten goals today if we if we'd actually kept our foot on the on on the gas all all game. Tony Mowbray said after the game he was a little bit disappointed we didn't kick on and get more goals because we kind of caught in between that that funny bit of just you know seeing the game out, protecting the lead that we had.
1: It was interesting in saying that. I don't know whether that's just. Um... I don't know. I didn't. I, I found that a bit strange that he even said that because it certainly didn't feel like the game plan was to do that. Yeah, and I think they were, they were kind of caught in between because I in the
2: start of the second half. I know we kind of skipped past the penalty, but start of the second half, we kind of went and it looked as if we were intent on attacking. You know, we had a few breaks down either either flank. We could have got a, a goal or two. But after about fifty five minutes, we we kind of stepped off and we just you know managed the the game. But I think Mowbray was saying that because. Sheffield Wednesday utter shite, and <laughs> in terms of the get, players getting carried away, like, it's a good, it's a great result. Don't get us wrong. I think we we saw the game out well. We we turned up well, and we played all right. Scored some good goals, but I, I think we sh- like, that's routine. That's as routine yeah. as you'll get yeah. in the championship.
0: Well, yeah. we actually we actually got it, it was so routine, and we had so much control that actually at times that we got so casual. A couple of passes went astray, but it didn't make a difference at all. Like, it <laughs> no, that's right. like, like uh, actually, Patterson, Patterson, like two or three times from the back, gave the ball away inside a run half. But Wednesday, with that crap, it didn't make a difference. And we, we just, <laughs> I mean, in the end, it was that routine. Like I said, we, we got really casual and we were so in control. We were so much better than Sheffield Wednesday that uh, it, it, it didn't make a difference. But, uh, Patterson, you can tell that's one thing he's really worked on in the last 12 months. I mean, it's night and day compared to what he used to be like with the ball at his feet. I mean, he's fantastic now, knocking the ball over to the flanks and things like that. But, you know, against a better side... He needs to, and I just hope it was just a bit of kind of you know apathy because of who we were playing and the game. It was that uh, it it ended up a couple of passes going astray like that from the back. But uh, hopefully he's he gets more on the ball with uh, some of the teams who might take more advantage of it.
1: Yeah, it was like he was playing with flip flops on a time, Some of them passes <laughs> in the in the first half, but yeah, we'll let him off. We'll let him off. Uh, the third goal, we cannot skip past this because whilst it was a a fairly well taken penalty by Jack Clark this time. The, the way we won it, Burstall, with that turn and flick. Nice little spin. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely done him. It was lush. I mean, before we talk about the penalty, I guess now we're mentioning Burstow. That was his best performance to date by a mile. Yep. We were talking in the preview about bringing him out, maybe, and I'm sure the temptation was there with Mowbray. But something you said, Chris, rang true, I think. You said, you know, I feel like Mowbray's going to stick by him because this is a game where he can maybe shine against poorer opposition. I think you. You said you could maybe get a goal, and obviously he didn't. But he did everything but get a goal. Really, his movement was fantastic. His work rate on and off the ball was brilliant. Like I say, I think he got the uh, obviously he got the assist for Clark's goal, uh, if you can call that an assist. I suppose uh, great pass and all that. Can you call it an assist for the third? The the turn is that is, he will. I think in, he will. Yeah,
0: he will. I mean, he won it'll the penalty. Go, it'll go on. <laughs> it'll go on his stats. Of course, it will.
1: Good performance from from him. And like I say, we we were. Kind of expect them to come out, but I think that decision not to bring him out was vindicated in the end.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, and I, I was quite glad when I saw the the, the team sheet because, like I said, we talked about it during the week, and I thought this was a a good opportunity for him to get a couple of chances in goal. And well, the well, hope was he was going to get that uh, first goal and, and get off the mark. But to be fair, I think I think he'd be feeling really good about himself. He did everything right. I think again, it's just something we need to add to our play because perfect, you know, routine win as we, as we're talking about, but. I think the the extra thing we can add to our game is or running towards goal. Um, He did everything right coming away from goal. He held the ball up, lovely touches. He just looks a good player. It, you just, mm-hmm. And and once he gets into it, the more and more he plays, the, the better he's going to get. And he, he seems to have everything. He can hold the ball up. He's got a good pass on him. He's got a good touch. But I, like I said, I just think as the season goes on and we get used to Playing with different systems, and we get used to playing with it, the system where Burstow is that person, that point man up front. If we can get him running the other way towards goal, you know it'll just add an extra dimension to our game, and hopefully, hopefully, we can get that up and running because um, the, the runs forward seem to come from Job more than more than Burstor in behind. It was him running from deep rather than yeah. Burstow playing off the last man. It was something slightly different. But yeah, I mean, just just on the penalty. I mean, uh, Robertson Hume down the down the right hand side and. Yeah. We've talked about it before, that it's nice to see that, and then you mentioned Martin, obviously, Ahmad not being there and yeah. how things are going with Patrick Roberts this season because he's, he's yet to start, I think, this season, really. He's, he hasn't got going yet this season. He will at some point. And it was a good example of something that Trey Hume didn't have to do last season as much, where he, he didn't have to go on the overlap as much because Roberts had his mate, Ahmad, who was doing his one-twos and things. So Trey Hume could... Stand back and just watch them, basically. And you know, if he fancied a bit of a run, he you know Trey Hume could join in. But quite often, he didn't really need to. And that penalty came from Hume, basically charging down the line with Roberts, and they combined, and then the ball went in and uh, burst. Or oh, what? What a turn! I mean, I thought I I thought he was in. I was kind of on the edge of me saying, you know, yelling at the screen <laughs> for him to hit it. And then obviously when he went down, I was I was shouting penalty, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, obvious penalty, definite, you know, nailed on penalty. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was good to see him get, you know, receive the ball like that and have, you know, in his mind that he wants to, he basically wants to go to, to goal. It's it's that, you know, that's that instinct that he thinks receiving the ball, turn, yeah. I want to get a shot off. So, yeah, it was all good. It was all good. And the, the pen, you know, I'm glad we've got a penalty taker, actually. We didn't seem to have, get one for quite a while, and we've got a few this season.
1: Clark said in his post-match after the when did he last score penalty, the one where he sort of scuffed Blackburn, it. Backburn,
0: against someone. Yeah, After
1: after the game, he was talking about it, and he said, "Well, I think every other penalty taker we've got is either injured or have left the club, <laughs> so I'm just kind of left with this responsibility." But you know, how many's that? He got now three, three maybe three this season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, three so, penalties. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, we finally got a penalty take. Aaron, I mean, it, it, Clark's just becoming a, a a real professional footballer now in terms of just the way he carries himself. You don't when he first arrived here, he, he looked like an inexperienced um, kid full of mistakes, and now when you watch him on the pitch, it, you're watching a fully fledged player who really believes in his ability, and it, it can be something as great as that first goal where he cuts inside and hits it and the keeper's got really no chance to get it. And then there's the other side of it where it's just where you want him to just score a simple goal and he puts the penalty away and and, and turns around and celebrates with his mates. I think he's, you know, when when I always think back to the discussion around the amount of experience that we lost in the summer. And I just wasn't phased because I thought, well, these lads have been through everything. So they're now the experienced players. And while Jack Clark's not 28, 29, 30 year old, he's played in some massive games for Sunderland. And really, his age has no bearing on the way he carries himself on the pitch because he's every bit the experienced professional now, in my opinion, Martin. I think you've got to give the lads, and another one's Dan Neil, who again was brilliant, one of his best games again. I think he's been outstanding yeah. all season, but these aren't old lads. They're not, like, they're not like 27, 28, 29, like starting to get into the twilight of their career. They're still relatively young, but on the pitch, they play like experienced heads and. I think that's a lot to do with the club just giving them the responsibility to say, right, we want you to lead this team now. Now that this lad and that lad's left, you're, you're, you're the main man on the pitch. And like I say, you, you, you're reaping those benefits in every game because they're just standing out like a sore thumb now. They're taking up that mantle of just carrying the, the rest of the team on their shoulders at times. And that's why Clark's getting so much attention is because, yes, he's scoring the goals, but he's playing like a, a top-class footballer.
2: Well, he is a top-class footballer. I think um, it's it's becoming perfectly clear, isn't it? He's mm. he's absolutely quality. Um, but I think like he's the he's a poster boy, isn't he, for our approach to to developing players and giving players responsibility, giving players game time. Like he he barely misses a, a game. Like you know, he, he went through all of last season without. And he had a bit of an ice pack, didn't he, on his his hamstring or his thigh when he came off.
1: Yeah, let's let's hope that's uh, not too bad. Yeah. But um,
2: like he's. He, I say his his development since he came what 18 months ago he's only been at the club 18 months really hasn't he his development in that time has been astronomical and it's purely by being being given exposure to first team football and not being judged on one bad performance or one one loose pass he's been given time by the club and by by the supporters and you can see now that you know and like we've talked about haven't I mean, we in the past like we, we don't know and this applies to a lot of other players. It applies to Bellingham. It applies to Equa, It applies to a whole host of them. We haven't got a clue what their ceiling is. Like Jack Clark, he's 22, 23 at the end of the year. If he continues his development, he could be playing for Real Madrid in a couple of years' time. And I don't say that taking the piss. Like he's he's got that much potential. And he's that dangerous. He's got you a know, great attitude. He's taking on the responsibility. Like we used to have players like George Honeyman coming into the into the side making 10th appearance when he was 23 and now we're given these players who are 21 22 they've got 50 100 games under the belt you talk about dan Neil, like he's got so much football experience now as you say so like experience to me is is minutes on the field in first team games it's not necessarily age and you get that know-how and you get to understand how to, to manage games at different points of the the 90 minutes and i think you know Talk about Daniel. He's been superb this season. He's another one who's taken a step up. You know, if you go from the end of the um the League One season, like Alex Neal didn't trust him in the playoff final. I don't think did he. He didn't. He left him out of the team at the end of the season because he didn't. Yeah. He didn't trust him. And you look at that. You know, say 12 40 months later, he's an absolutely pivotal player in a team that's looking into the the, the top end of the the championship. So I think the, the development of Clark and, and Neil and a host of others, is, is brilliant. But it's, it's going to set us in really good stead as a club, isn't it? Because yeah. other, other young players are going to look at that and go, shit, I, that's what I want to do. I want to be given minutes on the field. I want to be developed and trusted. And you know, if the opportunity is there and it's up to those players to take it. and Jack Clark is taking it with, with aplomb.
1: Yeah, and he's a, he's a perfect example to young players who – or maybe thinking about making a big move to a Man City, Tottenham, Chelsea, whoever it is, at the top end of the Premier League, he's a big example to them players to say, hang on, take a step back, go slowly, get your minutes in at a lower level. You've got the ability. We all know you've got the ability. But wait, three, four years, you'll get that big move. You need to be playing football because... Clark had that opportunity. He went from Leeds to to Tottenham at a very young age. And I don't blame him for taking that chance. But, you know, had a, a series of failed loan moves, Chris, and then ended up ended up with us. And thank God he did. Because I honestly think if Jack Clark hadn't come to Sunderland, he would probably be playing in League One for someone's shit. And maybe he would have fell away. And I, I, I honestly mean that. Because how many lads with fantastic ability have just fell through the leagues because they've made a series of bad moves? Clocks come to Sunderland where his mistakes have been tolerated and his creativity's been encouraged. And this is the net result is like a lad with 100 odd games under his belt playing for Sunderland scoring goals, getting assists and taking on responsibility and as Martin says like the sky is the limit for for him in my opinion and that's really because in large part he, he made the right decision to come here.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did. And look, we can't we can't knock any player for if you are talking about 18, 19 year old. And you've got a big Premier League club chucking money at you, and they're going to spend big money. And you've got to you've got to remember as well that the selling clubs are going to put pressure on these kids as well to go. Mm. If the selling club needs the money, they're going to push them out the door aren't they? and say, "No, we need we need the fifteen million quid or the twenty million quid." Or so you, you can't blame them for doing that. And uh, and then they have a crack at it. And but the thing is, if it doesn't work, it can really break a player, a young player, and. It's part of the policy that we've got. We're not only looking for those kind of rough diamonds that you think are, are just have are, got a lot of talent and we'll bring them on. We're looking at those players who are a little bit broken and not just physically, because you know we we'll brought in Pembele, who probably would never have come to Sunderland if he hadn't had that bad injury. We're looking at that sort of player who had, who's had bad injuries. But the likes of Clark and Roberts, who have had a bad time of it, and we kind of not just build them up, by bringing them in and putting them on the pitch. But it's almost mentally, it's it's the psychological side of it, where you have to build them back up. And when when Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts first came to Sunderland, they were nowhere near what they're doing now. We had to almost kind of take these players who were a little bit broken and we, we had to kind of build them back up into into what they can be. And it was it was interesting as well, listening to Jack Clark after the game where he says, and I think a few players have said this in the past. I heard it a few times last season where they talked about Tony Mowbray and they said he doesn't really concentrate on the defensive side of things. He basically just says to us, this is how we attack. You know, just go and do your thing, express yourself. And and I think you, one of you touched on it there that you see, you look at the first half of QPR where Jack Clark gets frustrated and nothing's coming off for him. But the way that we're ran and the way that we do things it's just it's kind of don't worry about it. Keep going. Keep getting the ball. Keep doing mm-hmm. what you're doing. Because at some point it'll come off. Because you've got the talent, and and that's what he does. And like I said, I mean we've turned these players' careers around. And again, listening to him after the game, I mean we're enjoying watching him, of course, and we want to stay with we want him to stay with Sunderland and all that sort of stuff. Wherever Sunderland goes, whether it's Premier League or you know whatever happens this season, we want him to stay with us. But he looks like from where he's been. He's now enjoying himself and he looks happy. And I think that's, yeah. for, for being what he's been through, he, he had a low at a big club. I think he's just enjoying playing football and he's enjoying doing what he's doing.
1: Yeah, second half, not really much to talk about other than really the way we approach it, I guess. And we've had a few comments on Twitter, uh, Graham Gremlin in the machine. He said, great three points, great 30 minutes, but then we dropped down the gears and went into cruise control. The Owls must, must have breathed a sigh of relief and we went to just passing it around at the back. Should have been more, could have been more, if only we had been more ruthless. Uh, we had another comment from Alex at Spezial73. He says along the same lines, do you feel we could have been more ruthless second half? There's there's a lot of that feeling from people, and I mentioned it before, Martin. You know, as a fan, you just want to see more goals, especially on the back of, uh, you know, people have noticed Newcastle batted someone Whatever it was, eight, nine 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 nil the other day. You you kind of see that, and when you get your when you get your teeth into it, and you can see that they're there for the take, and you do want more. But I I actually as a is a bit of a purist when it comes to football. I appreciate the way we actually manage the game, and I think and we were talking about this the other week when we when we played QPR about the way that we saw elements in the performance that night of a team that might get promoted. I use that word quite a bit on that, on that podcast because we, we found a way to win when we were crap. In this game, we saw a different side of that same sort of discussion around what successful teams do and that was with a good foothold in the game, we just managed it and we've got another match in a few days. We play on Wednesday night and it's going to be a tough game, that one, against Watford and then following that, we've got Middlesbrough which is going to be a big game and you know lots of energy. Were we right to just Sort of calm it down second half, do you think, and and manage it the way we did? Oh, look, I think you can you
2: can certainly say that with the the games that we got coming up. It was the right thing to do. We came out with three points, and ultimately that's all that, that matters really. But you know, as I said earlier, Tony Mowbray seemed to be a little bit um, disappointed that we hadn't really gone for it and scored a few more. I th- I thought the subs were a little bit strange, both in terms of timing and the the subs that we made. And I kind of think it it didn't really lend itself to a spoon yeah. after
1: more goals. We've had a few comments again on Twitter about that. People saying they wish that they'd maybe seen a full half out of Roussin, a full half out of uh, Oshish, maybe got Barr on earlier. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know whether he could have necessarily won with that, but I sort of agree with you as well. That I think the timing was a bit weird. He left it late, didn't he, to bring on one or two? But, you know, I think, again, with the two home games that we got coming up,
2: which... You know, the, the home games for us are a bit tougher than away games at the minute, aren't they? We, we <laughs> yeah. haven't got the space to run into and play the, the really natural game that we, we play. The only time at home this season we, we have is was against Southampton, and they came at us and left all sorts of gaps for us to, to exploit, and I don't think Watford or Middlesbrough will, will do that over the next week. So, look, we, we've had a, a run of games, haven't we? We've had the, the QPR game, we've had the Blackburn game in, in the midweek, we've had the game at home last weekend. We've had this game with only a what a four or five day break from from Sunday, so we've actually had a, a run of games and a lot of travelling in a, a short period of time. So I can kind of understand us you know taking our foot off the gas a little bit in the second half, playing it out, being professional. Like that's that's what you can say about it. yeah. As, as football fans, you'd, you know as Gav you, you've said you'd, you'd love us to start wellying in from thirty yards, score another four or five, and get an absolute pace. but it, it was a professional second half. We saw the game out and. Conservative a energy, hopefully for the Watford game in midweek.
0: Well, I, I remember, I remember going back to that that uh, epic game under Peter Reid when we smashed Millwall six 0 and we were five nil up <laughs> with five minutes to go, and Peter Reid was screaming at his side to get forward <laughs> and get more goals. <laughs> yeah. and we we got one more, and we got we got a sixth. But it's interesting though. We're, we're talking about. I mean, it's just a bizarre after the you know the time in League One and what we've been through that we're now discussing Sunderland taking our foot off the pedal because we're 3-0 up away from home. And this is the third consecutive game where we've scored three away from home. When we talk about stats like that, I mean, it's interesting because I was even looking back at Reedy's years and I couldn't find, even in those years where we scored three... In three consecutive away games, and I found I found one in the 1891-92 season where we <laughs> scored three or more in three consecutive away games. But I'll, I'll be, I'm gonna have a hunt around for any more later on to see if I can find any more, more modern ones than that. But uh, but I don't think the club's done that too many times.
1: Yeah, we'll do some three word reviews before we do the uh, listener questions towards the end. Uh, round off with some of these. So Kingy says Dan Neil brilliant. Adam Guest says, worst opponents ever. Uh, Peter Buster says, just too good. McDrury, Clark, Neil Ballard. Chris Glassick says, toyed with them. Eden 112 says, lads enjoying football. Sess says, call the RSPCA. Yeah, the owls need sing to.
0: <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh,
1: yes. Paul Anderson says, at a canter. Gavin Evans says, proper professional performance. That was a mouthful. Uh, piece of Cake says Paul B. Rachel Thexton says Spooked the Owls. I was expecting something Art and Monkeys themed from you, Rachel, after the fluorescent adolescence one the other week. Uh, but we'll let you off. Um, Phil King should score more. Uh, stroll in the Park says Adam Curry. John Wilson says Cats Ravage Owls. Uh, Brett, our Brett, who I think is climbing Snowden. He watched it on his iPad from some pub in the middle of nowhere. Uh, he said Piece of Piss. Job, my mate, Job, he says, pull it back. I presume he's, he's, he's talking about the skin there. Uh, John Rama says, cool, calm, composed. Chris is rubbing his eyes at that one. Um, Life of Grime says, my oh my. And I think we'll end off on this one because there's tons of them. So sorry, we haven't read yours, them all out. Uh, Owen Sarah says, smells like promotion. It does. True. Does indeed you had
0: to say the P word, didn't you? You had to go and say it. You couldn't resist I'd,
1: it. And well, why not? We're playing like a team <laughs> capable of, of being in the in the hat for that. So why not? Um right, we've got a bunch of listener questions which we'll we'll round off with. We've got again tons, so if we don't get yours, sorry. Uh, but you know, we're running out of time. Uh, Tim at John Case Tractor uh, says, same old Sunland? Nope. This is a new Sunland, these lads always seem to respond after a defeat. Professional performance, Bursto's best game. Uh, Cam says, nice controlled game in the end once we get 3 0 ahead. Felt all about not picking up any injuries or daft yellow cards. Makes the whole doing a Sunland jibe a thing of the past. Now that's interesting, Chris, because again on the Twitter space before the game, I mentioned that a few times, that given all of what was going on with Chef Wed and all the carry on and that. I was. I just couldn't help but think they haven't won a game all season. They've scored five goals all season. If ever there was a chance for Sunland to do a Sunland, it was this one. But, yeah, that was quickly put to bed nice and early, wasn't it? And um, he's right. I think these are becoming a thing of the past, these doing the Sunland games and performances
0: uh well for for a bit you know football comes <laughs> football comes in cycles i'm just happy that it's uh, the, we're having less and less of the you know in my mind of the adiac bye moments because uh, mm-hmm. i don't think i'll ever forget uh, being in the filbert street that day so that 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 is basically my barometer for for some bloody <laughs> moments,
1: yeah. Life of Grimes says, "I tell Burnley the price has now doubled." I'm saying at least <laughs> travelled or quadrupled. Uh, Rama again, he says, Burstow's best game to date." Thought his movement was superb. Yeah, we we talked about that before. It was definitely his best game, and thank God we uh, we kept faith with him. Jamie uh, again, I mentioned this before. He said, "Think we were fantastic, but I would have loved to have seen Rusin and Oshishon for a full half." I think Martin that Mowbray is being quite coy with them, isn't he? He doesn't want to throw them in. He doesn't want to rush them in. I think he in his press conference before the game was maybe asked about Russen because he played so well for the under twenty ones in the in the in the week. And um I think he was he was like basically saying, well yes he, he played well and we're really happy with how he did. We've just told him we want to we, we want to take our time and um maybe that'll be best for him long term. I think we've done a good job of managing most of the players that we've brought in under this regime. To be fair, so I can't really argue with it. But I was I was also hoping to see more of Rusin in this game, and um, him and him and Oshish look good though, don't they? They do. It's
2: interesting that Rusin's played on that left hand side, both in the 21s and when he came on. I think he played there
1: quite a bit in in Ukraine as well. I think that that was mainly his position there.
2: And it's going to be interesting how you know how he gets into the team with with Clark in, well. in that position. January's um, only round the corner, Martin. One. <laughs> well, well, it's interesting because like, I actually think like Ashish, if that's how you pronounce it, I think he he looks more like the the Clark replacement, if if you like. But it's it's telling that Mowbray has given him quite a bit of time already on, on the field. Like if you look at like Lahaji last season, you could tell Mowbray didn't fancy him because he you, know, you gave him ten minutes here, five minutes there, and that was that was it. He's given this lad time on the field really quickly, and I, I think it'll be pretty soon when we see him get his first start. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we um, we saw it this side the international break actually. Yeah, because um, I think he, he looks a he looks a player, and I, I I'm really keen to see more more of him because I think he, he you know he looks if he's got a bit of everything doesn't he? he can he can shoot he can pass he's got a bit of pace he can dribble, um he he looks a proper player and mm. yeah Russen looks a. Uh, from you know, the limited things that we've seen, the highlights from the under twenty ones in he's got a bit of pace, he's got something about him. Again, it'd be nice to see a little bit more of him, but you know, the most important thing is getting the, the three points and we've we've got them. So you can't argue too much about team selection, can you? Yeah, but-
0: no. But based on uh, Mowbray's selection and what he does with players, he, he wouldn't make a very good poker player, is it? He? Because he can, it's obvious <laughs> what he thinks of players, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin has asked us, this is K37DXN on Twitter. He says, "Oh, Wednesday that poor or did our quality make them look so bad? Also, how do you pick our best team? Never mind Mowbray not knowing it, we as fans don't. It's just brilliant. Go on, Chris
0: i tell you what, because uh, you know, you're talking about Equa coming back in, who at the beginning of the season was vital uh, to how we were doing things and how we were playing. And now, if you look at the rotation between Neil, uh, Dan Neil, Pritchard, and Job in that central midfield, I mean, they're on a constant rotation and they're getting a really good part. I mean, Dan Neil and Job, they're starting to get a really good partnership in the middle where they, they kind of, I mean, there was a couple of times they were just playing short passes to each other. And I know, look, Again, wouldn't go back to Sheffield Wednesday being crap. But, you know, they, they just know what they, they're getting this link between each other. And I mean, it, it should be natural, but, you know, some players it, it just doesn't happen, you know, for, for whatever reason. But you can see they've already kind of clicking. And Pritchard, I said, you know, in the summer when we're talking about the transfer window, talking about that central midfield area, did we need another body in there? Pritchard, the last few games, he's he's gone in there and he, he look, he's looked as sharp, I think, as he has done in any time he's been with the club. I think this is the best I've seen him play. This is his best run of form. Um, But he's playing with good players around him. And Pritchard's yeah. that type of player who becomes better because he's a clever player. And when he's got clever players around him, he he, he lifts his game as well. So th- those three in the middle, I mean, I you know, Ek was fantastic. You know, it'd be, it'd be great when he's available and comes back in. But I mean, you look all over the pitch. And, and the other thing I wanted to mention, actually, when you talked about players coming back, Talking about Dennis Serkin and Elise coming back at fullback, Huggins is getting better with every game yeah. he's playing. He's he is, he's, he he's reminding me he he's reminding me of when Trey Hume came in last season and he took like three or four games to get going, and then once he got over that kind of first nervous kind of first set of games and he really got into it, he just started to kind of get better and better and better. And I tell you what, it'd be a tough call if you pulled Huggins out the way he's playing.
1: We've had a. Post from uh, Stephen Etherington, who says, can Huggins keep his left-back spot? Uh, you know, I think people are starting to notice it, and it's with good reason. Um, I think, I think, yeah, the last couple of games especially, he's been really, really good. And he was a good player before he arrived at Sunderland and just had lots of injuries. And I think whilst it's great he's in the team, Huggins just has to concentrate on, yes, getting minutes in and, yes, playing, but also staying fit. If he can get 20, 30 games a season, I think he'll be happy given the way the last couple of years have gone from oh, yeah. Um, But, you know, yeah, I'm really over the moon with them, And um, that's what you want. I keep saying this, you want a competition in every every spot on the team. And the fact he's went over there, maybe looked at it and thought, I'm not going to get much of a look in on the right. We've just signed this lad from PSG. Trey Hume is the, mm-hmm. probably one of the first names on the team sheet. Maybe I've got to make a play for this left-back spot where the other two lads can't stay fit. And, um, you know... Good luck to him. If all I want is for the best players to be playing and, and you know lots of competition and looks like we've got it. And in the absence of Circle and Elisa, he's taking his chance. Um, Paul Summerside says, Playoffs looking a good bet. Can we push on for an automatic spot? What needs to change to do this and where can we strengthen? I'll take that one. I think playoffs do look a good bet. <laughs> to make automatics, it's very early in it. That's the thing. We're only like, I don't even think we've played 10 games yet. And it's not like it's you, girl. just yeah I, I, I whilst I do think promotion is certainly doable um I wouldn't be making any bold predictions quite yet because so much can change the good thing about us is is that we've got so many players to come back good players too so while Paul, Paul's saying what needs to change for, in order for us to do this and where can we strengthen I think we just need to get people back fit and have them options and again keep creating competition in the squad and just keep keep doing what we're doing really and I I I don't I keep saying this, but I don't think there are many teams that can live with Sunday and the way we play when we're in full flow, and it's showing in the results, but obviously we've got to brush up on the home form. I think that's the yep. big one.
0: That A game plan for sides who park the bus at home, I think, and that's the difference, yep. I think, between automatics and playoffs.
1: Hmm. Rob Ellison says, We wanted nine. Burstow's best game so far. Professional, easy performance. Rest up for Wednesday. Box your pats. Says Mickey Gray, given Mowbray credit for the recruitment. Lol, I'm not sure he understands how the club works at the minute. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jace Nunn says, "How are we fourth? And I could make a case for us underachieving. It's I'm so excited for the rest of the year. Need to keep Clark. Maybe make a January move for Ahmad on loan. Hashtag exciting. Well, why not? Jamie Jameson says, "How do we keep hold of Clark in January?" I think we just need to hold him hostage. Maybe ties um, ties agent to a tree. Just not one that can be chopped down. Um, uh, Tony Home says, Burstow has probably done well enough to keep his start in place. I would agree with that. And we'll round off for this one. I'll come to you, Chris, very quickly. Uh, Chris Smith says, where do you think we are weak? If you were an opposition manager, how would you try and beat us? How, uh, brackets, we're unstoppable, aren't we? I,
0: well, I think what I touched on earlier, I think if um, if a side really digs in and, puts puts and, and actually Luke 9 mentioned it after the game. He mentioned that Cardiff did that uh, low block and we couldn't get through it. And it was the same same story last season for a lot of games, especially at home. Mm. Um and that's where we're weak. We're weak if teams don't give us space and they're set up with two banks of four very close together, sit on the edge of the well, it, it not even two banks of four, side set up with, you know, five across the middle, four four at the back, sit on the edge of the box. And I think that's our weakness. We we tend to need space, and we want space to run into. We want space in behind. And if teams compact that and don't allow anything and just kind of pack up our bodies, I think that's our weakness.
1: Yes, well, uh, another fine victory to talk about. We'll be back with a preview during the week, I imagine. Uh, cheers, Martin. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, lads, no for for sticking it's by. It. It's, it's late. We need to go to bed. You, you maybe just need a coffee, Martin. You look... You look like you need another coffee. one or two more to, to get on with your day.
0: He's going back to bed as well. I've
1: already had two. <laughs> yeah, get yourself, oh, I'll get yourself like back to bed, why not? Um, <laughs> thanks to the listeners. Make sure you pre-order that book we keep telling you about. It's available on the Love Supreme website, and you can get the link at the top of all articles on rotoreport.sbnation.com. It's SAFC 365. We'll be out in the coming weeks, hopefully, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And, uh, yes, we'll be back before fed. so we will see you later.